Can we put the lights up? Thank you, bro. Well, welcome to Calvary. If you're online today, we're just so blessed that you tuned in with us and those that are here for the first time. Um, and even those that have been here a while, um, we're just so thankful that you're, you're, you're still here. Um, as Kate did mention, it's Share Sunday. Now, typically what we do is once we get done with the book, we give people opportunity to, you know, three to five minutes, you know, what the Lord was speaking to them, what the Lord pressed upon their heart. Um, and so far, um, it's just me standing up here. So as I go through the announcements, um, if the Lord has put something on your heart or you just want to share uh, three to five minutes at the most, right, uh, just let me know as we get done with the announcements and I'll ask for anybody to share what the book of Daniel meant to them. Just raise your hand and you can come on up. We got the, the other mic up here uh, and we'll, we'll do it. So God bless you guys. Um, in the front of your seat there, in the seat back pocket, you see our Connect cards. It has all the information about our church or <coughs> our ministries, but the important one is that Connect card. It's kind of the mustard or brown colored one. That's where you can put your praise reports as well as your prayer requests. You know, we're supposed to, you know, Tim talks all the time about we're supposed to live life together. And the only way that we can really live life together, uh, apart from Sunday morning, is letting each other know what's going on and what your needs are. You know, I mean, I had a brother tell me a while back, you know, that he didn't want to burden uh, us with his issues. But you know what? That's what we're called to do, is to carry one another's burdens, right? So if there's something in your life uh, that's going on and you need prayer for, I mean, you don't have to give us, you know, the, the whole 411 on everything, but just let us know, hey, I need prayer. I need prayer for my marriage or I need prayer for my kids or whatever it is, and put it in the tithe box back there. Let us know that we can pray for you because that's what we want to do for one another. Amen? Um, okay. Um, now, right now, um, again, if there's anybody that wants to do Share Sunday and tell us what the Lord has put upon your heart, you're welcome to come up right now. And if, if there's anybody that has something, then you can come on up right now. I'll give you just a few minutes. This is Lori. Can you hear me? Okay. So have you ever had that point where there's something you absolutely didn't want to do and God said, Hi. I, this has nothing to do with Daniel, but it does have to do with what's in my life, and I really think someone else needs to know about it. I have fought depression more than once. The first time, it was subtle. It came in slowly. It was just like an enveloping darkness. I fought suicide. I tried to kill myself. God said no, said this is not you. Um, the depression comes back every so often. Right now, Satan quit being subtle. He's just, pour, it's like black sludge just pouring over you. I have felt shame for trying to get help. It's, I know it's another ploy, but to me and my family growing up, it's just not something you talk about. It's not something you ever mentioned. But I feel that someone needs to hear that there is no shame in seeking help and that you can't do it on your own. God has been very faithful to tell me this whole time that I am not alone, that he is walking with me and he is greater. So even on the days that I can't do anything 
but just stand there and cry out to him. He's still with me, and he's walking us through this. I think there's someone here that needs to know you're not alone either. You may be going through something. It may be things in your past. It may just be darkness creeping in, but you're not alone, and it's okay to get help. That's all. Thanks. Thank you. You know, what, what did I just talk about sharing your burdens with your brothers and sisters? That is a perfect example. Yeah, it wasn't about the book of Daniel, right? But it's about what God is doing in a person. So you know what? I mean, don't be so closed off where you're afraid to let people know what's really going on because we can't lift you up if we don't know. So if there's, I mean, I know there's depression in this church. I know folks that go through depression and anxiety. And I just want to remind you, like Sister Lori just mentioned to us, the Lord is with you. He is there with you. And don't be ashamed. I mean, I remember in, in I think, 2 Corinthians, uh, they're talking about, you know, being beat, beat up without and within. And the anxiety, even to the point of death. Well, that, that's what the apostles were talking. So don't let anybody ever tell you that if you suffer anxiety or depression, it's not of God. Okay? But what we do know is God is able to save you from that. So just lift, lift, lift her up. Matter of fact, let's pray for her right now if we could, okay? Father, we just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you can reach into our circumstances no matter what they are, and you can restore and regenerate our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I thank you for that short testimony right there, Lord. We, we needed to hear it, whether it's depression, anxiety, or anything else that we're dealing with in this life, Lord. You are faithful, and your word declares that the work that you began, you are faithful to complete it. And so, Lord, we want to lift her up right now that your Holy Spirit would just fall upon her and strengthen her and remind her that she truly is fearfully and wonderfully made. And I pray that over anybody who's here in the sanctuary or anybody who's listening upon line right now, that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead can raise our broken bodies also. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we have a little uh, update from Pastor Tim uh, that uh, he sent to us. So uh, direct your attention to the screen and we'll get started. Hey, what's up, church? Pastor Tim here. Um, just wanted to uh, give you a quick update. As some of you might know, uh, Sonia and I posted a prayer request on our private Calvary Chapel Facebook page. Um, a couple days ago regarding our son Silas and um, you know since we posted that you know he is he has constantly made great progress and today uh, he, he has made an incredible progress and we just want to thank God and we want to praise God for what he's doing here um, we want to just uh, just thank you for your prayers and continued support for us uh, you know, and um, as and for our son as he continues on this journey and uh, the Lord just continue to heal him completely and restore him. Uh, so just continued prayers for that. But we want to give God all glory and praise mm -hmm. for what he's doing. We want to thank you so much for, for praying for us. By the way, if you're not familiar with our private Facebook page, um, I, think, I think it's worth noting here today that um, if you're new or newer to the church, we have to invite you to be part of that page. It's where we post a lot of prayer requests. Um, people post various different, um, you know, articles and, and resources 
through the church. It's private to the to our community only. Um, so if you'd like to be part of that, if you want to be a member of that, would you just connect with me on Facebook? Send me a um, a message or uh, just just hit my hit my Facebook up and say, hey, I'd like to be part of the Calvary Chapel Facebook page. I, I will definitely invite you to that. And uh, you know, I don't know who is and who isn't. So if you just reach out to me, that would be the easiest. But it's a great way to communicate with. Uh, the community of Calvary Chapel, Columbia, and uh, to be able to post your prayer requests online. If you need something urgently or, you know, you're, you're looking for resources or different things within the, within the body of um, our, our church, then that's a great place to do that. So I want to encourage you to do that. But hey, listen, God is at work. He's doing great things. And I want to encourage you, man, like we've been talking about, live transparent, uh, let's let's do let's do life together for real. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff going on in each one of our individual lives, but God is great, man. He's big. He wants to answer our prayers, and uh, not only answer our prayers, but we also want to give Him praise. So, mm -hmm. feedback is important on that. So, listen. God bless you guys. I know that uh, you ha you have a great message coming today uh, in the Book of Daniel. So, uh, finishing up that. <laughs> Your pastor here wasn't able to do that last week, so. Pastor Michael, take care of it this week, but uh, um, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Man, that's a, that was a good golf clap right there. We just want to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. It's, a, it's amazing what the Lord can do. I mean, it blows my mind what he's able to do. He is so awesome. Well, um, like, like Tim said, he wasn't able to finish last week, and then uh, he kind of gave me a call and said, hey, look, I'm, I'm not going to be back. You need to take over. So I was like, okay. Um, so we're going to finish up Daniel, the book of Daniel today. Um, last week, Pastor Tim kind of left off in 12.4, Daniel 12.4. Uh, and, you know, that talks about the seven-year tribulation, the deliverance of the nation of Israel, the resurrection, uh, being, and he mentioned being a light to the world by... Uh, continue to be uh, persevering. Um, it talks about um, the increase in knowledge, which we're going to talk about today, and the desire to understand prophecy. So if you would, if you would stand with me, and uh, we're going to go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. I better not put that there because Kate will get mad at me. Daniel 12, chapter 4. I'm going to put it down here. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Okay. So he says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Well, Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is where we get our knowledge from. Your word is what lights our spirit and our soul to what's going on in this world. And so, Father, we want to come before you right now, and we, we want to ask that you would fall upon us with your spirit, that you would be the one, Lord, that gives us understanding. Father, help me get out of the way of what you want to do, and we just trust you, Lord, that you truly will finish what you started. So we commit this time to you right now. We ask that our hearts and our minds and our ears would be open to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can have a seat. So here in verse 4, you know, Daniel's being told 
to shut up and seal the book till the time of the end. Now, the Hebrew word there for shut up means to stop, to keep closed, or to keep hidden, which was an interesting thing. And the word for seal means to set a seal upon or to lock it up. Now, we need to remember that it's, God isn't telling Daniel, hey, you know, I don't want to share with you the secrets of what's coming. I want to hide it from you. Because we know that through the book of Daniel, uh, all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 11, he pretty much laid out a lot of things that were coming in, in very great detail that were to happen hundreds, if not thousands, a year in the future. But God gave Daniel a glimpse, just a glimpse, into the end of days, the last days. But the Lord didn't want Daniel to be consumed with those thoughts. Bless you. Um, and was trying to understand what was going to happen at the end time. And I, and I know, see, I, I love prophecy. For those of you that know me, you know, the Trimbos at their home fellowship, we do a little prophecy update all the time. It's something that I, I love because it reminds us of how close the Lord is to returning for his church, right? And so that's kind of like my little wheelhouse, right? And there was a time that I, I was consumed. I mean, I was more concerned with what's going on in the world than paying attention to what the Lord wanted to show me about what's right in front of me or the person that needs prayer right in front of me or my problem that I need to get fixed right in front of me when I was so focused on things that were in the future. And so I think that's what, what we have to understand here when he says, seal it up because people are going to run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. We need to remember that we don't need to be too focused on the things that are coming because we know from the Word of God that we're not going to be a part of that tribulation period anyway. Yes, it's good to know to be able to minister to those around you about what the world events, but don't be so consumed. You see, the intensity and the devastation of the end-time prophecies can cause you to be fearful. I mean, you can be overcome with anxiety and fear. I mean, how many people have heard somebody tell them, you know, I don't want to talk about revolution, revelation because it scares me. And we've heard that many, many times. It scares them. Well, the reason why things scare us is because we don't have an understanding of it. It's kind of like when you were a kid, you know, the boogeyman. You didn't know if it was there or not, so it scared you to death. I mean, how many times did you, you know, look under the bed when you were a kid? when you're ready to go to sleep. I mean, I know I did that all the time. It's because I didn't understand that it wasn't true in the first place. But fear has the ability to, to stop us in our tracks. And so the idea here is the Lord gave him an understanding. Look, these are things that are going to happen. This is how it's going to look like, but don't worry about it. Don't be so consumed on that thing. Focus on me, which is why the title of the message today was to stay focused. You know, we're to stay focused on Christ. We're to stay focused on his word that illuminates and that sets us free from our old mindset that we used to have before we came to Christ. Amen? Now, in Hebrews 4.12, the verse here, which I think most of us know, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, we can read a verse a hundred times, and it'll just, we can read it at face value, but it doesn't really apply to what we're, what's going on in our life. But when you are going through something in your life, when there's a trial or, or some type of catastrophe, 
And you can read that same verse again, right? It comes alive. And it pierces us to the core. You see, the Word shines a light on the circumstances and guides us to make the right decisions and to live righteously for God. And I think that's what he's telling Daniel there. Look, don't worry about it. It's going to happen in the future. But you know what? Stay focused. And that's what the encouragement is today. See, his word should change us to be able to impact the lives of those around us, bringing them to the true knowledge and salvation of Jesus as their Savior. You know, we can know every prophecy and how it's going to play out, we can be able to do a timeline and, and show the timeline of how everything happens. But if that knowledge doesn't give you the ability to minister to that broken person that's near you, what good is it? You know, the old saying, we can be so heavenly minded, but no earthly good. That's the whole point here. Stay focused on Christ and his word. But also, and then kind of the other side of the coin when the Lord does reveal knowledge to us, we, there's something that is required of us. Uh, the theologian Matthew Henry tells us, talking about increased knowledge, those that would have their knowledge increased must take pains, must not sit still in slothfulness and bare wishes, but run to and fro and must make use of all the means of knowledge and improve all opportunities of getting their mistakes rectified, their doubts resolved, and their understanding of the things of God improved to know more and to know better what they do know. You see, if the Lord reveals to you truth through his word, it's not just for you to go, oh, great, thank you, Jesus. No, it's for the purpose of making you an individual that can now go forth and be the witness that we're called to be. Every one of us are called to be martyrs for Jesus. I know that's not something that we normally think about, but what is the word martyrs? I mean, it's the word martyrus, and it really means witness. Now, in the early church, to be a witness for Jesus meant you were going to be a martyr. I mean, most of them, for the most part, uh, they, were, they were killed for their faith. And, of course, we know in the rest of the world today, there's a lot of witnesses for Jesus in the body of Christ around the world, and they're being martyred for their faith. I mean, not to this point, but right now, our brothers and sisters in California, they're being witnesses to the testimony of Christ, standing up against a, uh, an oppressive government that's trying to take away their religious liberties. And so there they are. They're being witnesses. So knowledge that we have that increases our ability to understand the word, we need to use it. I like what he said when he said, uh, we must not sit in slothfulness and bear wishes. Well, that, that kind of really spoke to me. So I'm just going to encourage you guys, as you're reading the word and God shows you things, whatever it's about, use it. Reach out to those that are around you. How many, I mean, Tim talked about last week, the, the, the studies show that the average Christian will witness to one person in a year. One person in a year. You know, God forgive me. You know, how many times have I had an opportunity to minister to somebody, to give a word of encouragement, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of busy. I'm, I'm kind of late for what I got to get done. I mean, I've done that before. So the encouragement is, whatever God has given you, use it, glorify his name. We have a world around us that's dying. And most of them, the word tells us, are on the, 
the highway to hell, right? It's wide and many are on it. But the path, the road to eternal salvation is narrow and few are on it. And so we have a job, right? It's not just pastor's roles, right? It's every one of us. We are the church. This is just four walls. When you go back home, when you go into your neighborhood and your community and your workplace, you are the living, walking testimony of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you guys, if God has enlightened you, use it for his glory. Okay, so then let's uh, look at uh, verses 5 and 6. We're going to get through this. Verses 5 and 6. Uh, it says, Now then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. Which, by the way, this is the setting of chapter 10. If you remember the beginning of the vision, it was chapter 10, okay? Uh, and one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters, or the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Now, these couple verses here kind of shows us the compassion that the Lord has for Daniel and actually the compassion he has for us. So even the Lord just told him, hey, shut up the book, put a seal on it, lock it away, put it away, don't worry about it, don't be tripping in the vernacular of today, right? Okay, um, the Lord still knew his mind, right? The Lord knew that he was probably had a thousand things going in his mind about what he just saw. Remember, they were there towards the end of the captivity of Babylon, right? And they were probably all excited, hey, we're going to be getting ready to go back to, to Israel and, and to Jerusalem and all these great things. But here, the book of Daniel was basically telling them, you know, the hammer's coming down in the future. So I'm sure the Lord wanted to have compassion upon him. And so um, instead of him asking the question, he basically had one of the angels ask the other angel the question that was in his mind. And it says, what do you, and, and what do you think it was? If you were Daniel, what, would, what have you been thinking? Well, for me, it's, okay, Lord, what I want to ask you is, okay, when is this going to happen? How long is it going to take? And am I going to be there when it happens? Right? And so I think the Lord was so gracious to him. And of course, he gives him the answer now of the question in his mind in verse 7. It says, Then, this is Daniel, Then I heard the man clothed in white linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that it, be for a, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Now, just real quickly, the, the dew that was above the waters, I mean, I just kinda, I've read that a hundred times, you know, going through you know, Daniel. The dude was hovering above the waters. Did you ever think about that? It says he was above the waters. So he was on the riverbank, and then all of a sudden, there he is above the waters with his hands swearing before the one who lives forever that these things are going to be for a time, times, and half a time. If you need a sign that what God's telling you is true, that's a pretty good sign, right? And this dude was floating above the, wa above the waters. And to me, it was just kind of interesting that God was signifying to Daniel, this is true. Now, we need to remember from Daniel 9, 20, uh, 24 to 27, uh, that the prophecy consider, concerning the coming of the Messiah, right, when the decree was given, right, to go back and rebuild, um, would be exactly 173,880 days, which we talked about that before in Daniel, um, and it was fulfilled to the day. God is 100% true. His word is 100% true. So that prophecy was very specific. So we knew that 
from that point to the coming of the Messiah was X number of days, and it was fulfilled. And we also know from Daniel 9 that the tribulation period will last for seven years. Remember, it's the last week of the Daniel's 70 weeks, right? It was 69 weeks up to Christ, right, in his crucifixion. And then there's that, that interim period of time. And so we're still waiting for the fulfillment of the 70th week in the future. And we know that that week is seven years. So we know that there's another seven years coming. And we also know that the Antichrist steps into the rebuilt temple, by the way, at the midpoint and declares that he's God and to be worshipped, which is 1,260 days from the beginning of the tribulation period. Now Daniel's told that all these things are going to be taken care of. All these things are going to be fulfilled to bring an end to the, the time of the tribulation in time, times, and half a time. Well, what does that mean? Well, time is seven years, is, is a year, right? Times is plural of a year, so two years, and half a time is 180 days, half a year. And you're going, no, no, 365 divided by two. Remember, they use the Jewish lunar calendar, right? 360 days in a lunar year. So basically, this is telling us it's going to be three and a half years before it's all done. So start of the tribulation with the Antichrist making a peace agreement, midpoint at 1260 days, stepping in and declaring himself to be God, and another 1260 days or three and a half years until it's all done. So God has been very exact in his timeline for the Jewish people. So I see no reason to even doubt that he won't be specific in his timeline for the tribulation period. Now, some of you may be going, well, you know, I mean, who knows when that's going to happen? And we're going to get to that in just a second. But let's get into verses 8 and 9. He says, although I heard, I did not understand. And then I said, my Lord, what shall the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now, remember, once again, Daniel is told for the second time to close the book and go his way because the period is for future events. He didn't understand the times of the events because it was so far in the future and there were so many things that hadn't even been fulfilled yet. But we, in the time that we live in right now, we have had our knowledge increased because we're living in a time like no other time in the history of this world. There are so many prophetic events that are being fulfilled right before our eyes. You see, we watch the news, right? And we, we compare it to the Bible. And we're like, I can't believe that what is written here I'm seeing on the evening news, right? See, the book of Daniel is no longer sealed up. There's no longer a lock upon it. It's open, and it can be understood by you and anybody who is willing to open up the Word of God and understand it because we're living in the last days. Now, I don't mean that we're living in the tribulation period because remember that starts with the peace agreement with the Antichrist and the nation of Israel. What I am saying is that we are living in the days right before it. Now we, we even have understanding of when that's going to happen, right? Uh, because we have knowledge from looking back of what the scripture said and looking back in the last few decades what has transpired even with the nation of Israel we understand that we're living in that time. Now, the Greek word for church in Scripture is ekklesia, and this is an example of what I mean about understanding. 
It's found 115 times in the New Testament. Ecclesia is the word for church, 150 times. And we see the church mentioned many times in the first three chapters of the church, I mean, of, of the book of Revelation. But the church is not mentioned at all. Zero times the word ecclesia is not mentioned after Revelation 3, verse 14. And then we read an interesting thing that happens in Revelation 4, 1. Let's read that. He says, and after these things I looked, and now this is John talking, right? John, who was given the revelation from Jesus, right? After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice that I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Well, after the letters to the churches, chapters 2 and 3, John hears a voice like a trumpet, right? And he's called up to heaven. But we don't read about the church at all from that point in time on. So after these things, after what things? After all the things that were written about, the letters to the churches in chapters 2 and 3, all right? I'm going to show you things that are going to happen after. The word is meditata, right? And it means there's a distinction between this and what's coming, all right? So again, we don't even read about the church. Now, you'd think, though, that um, because it's so specific in the book of Revelation and Daniel about those things that are going to happen, don't you think if the church was really going to be there in that period of time, that it would specifically use the word that's always been used of church, ecclesia? See, there are, there are saints during that period of time that are martyred, right? But remember, there's going to be a multitude. The greatest time of revival in the history of this world is going to happen during the tribulation period those are the saints that are going to be martyred but the church the ecclesia is not even mentioned why because we're up in the balcony so to speak watching the the movie from heaven with the lord and i think that should give you hope that should take away the fear if you're concerned about what's coming how close we are you know what's going on in the world compared to scripture it should give you hope that he has got you in the palm of his hand and he is going to remove us in the twinkling of an eye, folks. In the twinkling of an eye. Now, um, let me give you a, another example of the prophetic things that are unveiling. Remember I said that we watch the news and we see what's going on in the world and we know we're right there, right? Even at the door, so to speak. Well, I want to give you an example. And uh, on the screen, you should see a, a little picture of what's called the East Med Pipeline. Okay, um, the East Med pipeline is a pipeline from Israel, because if, if you if you know what happened a few years back, uh, they discovered the largest reserve of natural gas in the world in the Leviathan field off the coast of Israel. Kind of an interesting word they used, the Leviathan field, right? I mean, it is massive. Now, I'll give you a little background. Okay, um, most of Europe and Eastern Europe specifically, they get their natural gas for heating and cooking from this very benevolent uh, nation called Russia, okay? And of course, uh, they give them a really good price for their natural gas. <laughs> no, uh, they stick it to them all the time. And they use uh, the natural gas for heating and cooking um, as a tool to get the other nations around them to kind of kind of turn, the, turn their head, look the other way when things are happening, right? 
And so Israel comes up with this huge deposit. And so uh, Israel, and if you can see here, made some agreements with um, a couple companies up in Europe, and they're building a pipeline. It's called the East Med Pipeline. It goes straight through the Mediterranean, goes by Cyprus and Crete, and then into Greece, and then the, the pipelines combine and get into Europe. And of course, Israel has already made agreements with the European nations there to give them natural gas a whole lot cheaper. You know, economics is great, right? Well, guess who that has irritated? Russia. Now, there's an Anatolian pipeline right now that's in existence, and Russia sends a lot of their natural gas and oil products through this pipeline into Eastern Europe through Turkey. So it goes through Turkey, right? So let me, let me kind of build this together now, okay? Uh, this pipeline is to be completed in 2025. They're on schedule, they've got a lot of it done, and it's going to be completed in 2025, right? Now, um, the next screen is going to show you, again, this is what's going on right today in our world. The next screen is going to show you a recently agreed to economic zone between Turkey and Libya. You can see where Turkey is up there, and you can see where Libya is down here, okay? Now, uh, what you may not know is that Turkey right now has troops in Libya, okay? They're supporting um, the... The government that kind of came about after uh, Gaddafi was taken out, right? Um, but that government is more of a Muslim Brotherhood-leaning um, government. Um, there's a general, one of Gaddafi's generals, that is fighting against this self-proclaimed government. And he is a democracy guy. He wants free elections, and, and he doesn't want to be a religious government. He wants uh, to be a secular government and have freedoms, right? Well, the Turks um, are supporting the Muslim-associated government right now, and they've made this economic agreement. Now, look at this. This security zone or economic zone, it goes right through the Mediterranean. And basically, they're saying, you can't build any pipeline that goes through our economic zone. So what they're doing is they're trying to stop uh, Israel from bringing that pipeline into Europe that way, the, the Turks and the Russians can still be the ones that are controlling the money going into Europe. Now, you say, well, big deal, right? What's the big deal about that? Well, in Ezekiel 38, 1 through 5, and we talk about Ezekiel 38, right? About the coming war that's coming against Israel. And I'm going to read it to you. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are among them with shield and helmet. Well, folks, if you didn't know, Tubal is Old Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Turkey is one of the nations that goes with this Gog from Magog that comes against Israel. It's Turkey. 
And Turkey right now is working with Russia, which, by the way, is Magog. Um, Magog, or Magog, was a grandson of Noah. And guess where he settled? In the region that we know today as the, the southern Russian area. Okay? They were very... They, they, they were called the Magogians, and they were, they were hard people. They were very warlike, and they put fear into the, the people groups around them. But it, it is Russia. And Iran, Turkey, Russia, and Iran, right now working in Syria against Israel. Well, Persia, Iran, right? We know that. Right now in, in, uh, in Syria. And now Turkey is working with Libya. We just read that it said Libya would be with them. So here they are, they're making an economic agreement to come together to stop the, the ability of Israel to bring that gas into Eastern Europe. Now, if you remember correctly, um, the scripture says that they come in to take a spoil. Well, what is the biggest spoil in the world right now? It's oil, oil and gas. That's what the world runs on. So if you control the oil and gas, you can pretty much control people, especially if you don't have your own. See, Eastern Europe, most, most of Western Europe, they don't have their own gas wells. They have to buy it. So this is a great spoil that they would be coming in to get. Okay, um, so we are witnessing prophecy unfolding right now before our eyes. The Lord is moving these chess pieces around. You watch the news, you open up your Bible, and you can see what's going on. Okay, so there's my little aside on what I like to do. So let's get back to Daniel 12, okay? Um, verse 10. He says, many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. You see, the, the, this, this verse, verse looks to the future because our purification, our being made white from the stain of sin, right? And our being refined all point to the future event that will be accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Now, I want to stop for a second, and I want to point out something that we all know, but I think sometimes we forget, and that is how foundational the cross is to our faith. How foundational the cross is to our faith. You see, without the cross and what Jesus did upon the cross, which was dying for me and dying for you, right, we would still be in a perpetual separation from God. You see, even if we had a desire to serve the Lord, we would still be required under the law, right, to offer the appropriate sacrifices. And remember, there's no temple. And in order to offer the appropriate sacrifices, it has to be done as God laid it out. So there's no temple, so you can't offer a sacrifice. Even if you did it in your backyard, you're not a part of the Levitical priesthood. So actually, you would be profaning what God called you to do, right? I mean, there were some sons... Of a, of, a, of a high priest that offered the wrong stuff, and God killed him. So we'd still be in our sins, folks, without the cross, without the blood that was shed for us upon the cross of Calvary, we would still be separated from the Lord. In Leviticus 17, verse 11, I'm going to have a little drink here, sorry, it says, hopefully it's up there. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And then in Hebrews 9.22, it also tells us, 
And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So folks, the cross is foundational to everything that we believe in our faith. Yes, we don't like to think about it at times because if you ever saw the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, it, it really gives us a pretty close depiction of what he went through. And it's, it's horrifying. It really is. I mean, I'm, I remember when we went to see it, that place was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And when it was over, people filed out, not even talking to one another. It is so impactful to see what he did, what, what he went through for me and my sins and for you and your sins. Never forget the cross. We love the idea of the resurrection and new life, but that didn't come unless Christ was willing to die and suffer for us. Amen? Look at Philippians 2, 5 and 6. And this is, this is, this is the mindset that we have to have, right? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, which was the most humiliating, painful death anybody could ever suffer. You see, folks, without the cross and the shedding of the blood of Jesus, we would have no hope. The cross is extremely foundational. How many of you are thankful that Jesus was willing to lay his own desires aside and die for us? I mean, I, I am. There's two of you, so that's good. Okay. It goes on, it says, And the wicked shall do wickedly and do not understand. Well, we do wicked and sinful things, right? I mean, raise your hand if you've ever done anything wicked or sinful. Okay, those that don't have your hands up, you're liars, okay? No, every one of us, man, every one of us has done wicked things, right? Well, it's because of our heart. And in Jeremiah 17, 9, and this is one of the verses that I remember when we were Awana leaders back in the day, right? Um, this is one of the verses that our kids had to memorize in the Awana program, right? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God knows the depths of our wickedness, right? I mean, sometimes we put a, a happy face on the outside, right? But inside, we all have thoughts. But praise God that we're able to have our minds renewed by the blood of Jesus, okay? And it says, the wicked don't understand the things of God because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, it tells us, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, guys, to, to have a new heart that's changed and to have a mind that can understand the Bible and the things of the Spirit, we must be born again. Remember that? You must be born again. And it must be done by believing and trusting in Jesus for what he did on the cross over 2,000 years ago. So again, the cross is foundational. Now, we're going to go ahead and kind of finish up here in verses 11 through 13. The really short message today because, you know, we had the share Sunday and we have communion to do, so it's kind of short, but I think it's pretty straightforward about 
you know, the title, focusing on Christ, right, and what he's done. So verses 11 through 13, And now from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,345 days. But you, again, Daniel, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance in the end of days. Now, this section right here, we, again, we know that that seven-year period is exactly the number of days it was determined by the Lord, right? We know the first half is 1,260, and we know the second half is 1,260. So where's this 12 or 1,290 days? Where's the extra 30 days come from? Well, that's supposition. I mean, that's just supposition from any, any theologian, any Bible teacher, anybody that tells you what they think it is, that's just their opinion. So I'm going to give you my, my opinion from Second Opinions chapter 2, okay? Um, when the Lord returns exactly when he said he would at the end of the 1260 days of the second part of the tribulation, he's going to establish his throne. I mean, he is going to establish his throne, and it's going to be there in the city of David in Jerusalem. So maybe, and this is just maybe, it's going to take 30 days to establish it, to get everybody on board. All the ambassadors, which, by the way, are, are you guys, right? Because we're going to rule and reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom, right? That, that 30 days, he may be going, okay, um, Andre, you got a beach community over here in Northern California, right? Um, and uh, Mike here, um, you've got a, a, little, a little hamlet in the, in the Alps, okay, that you're going to be at. I mean, what, whatever, I don't know, right? I don't know. But the point is, maybe it's going to be 30 days of giving everybody the place that they're going to rule and reign over, right? Maybe. I don't know, but that's a possibility, right? So then it says, then there's an additional 45 days. It because it says, blessed is he who comes into the 1,335 days. So what is that all about? Well, we know uh, in Matthew 25, 31 to 46, I think it is, that he judges the nations that are here. This isn't the great white throne judgment. He, it says he sets up his kingdom and then he's going to take the nations and he's going to divide them, right? You got the goats and you got the sheep and he judges them. So it's very possible that those that have made it into the tribulation period or survived the tribulation period, right? And there's going to be some people that didn't take the mark, right? And were able to survive. They're going to come into that millennial kingdom, God's kingdom. And when they see the nations being divided, the sheep and the goats, and they get to be with the sheep, right? They're going to be blessed. And I think that's what it's talking about. Now, who are the sheep and the goats? Well, it, it basically tells you, if you read in 25, 31 to 46, it has to do with, because you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And because you didn't do it to the least of my brethren, kick rocks, you're out of here. So I think it really has to do with the nations and how they treated the nation of Israel. Because that's who his brethren is, right? And remember, this is a Jewish context. It's a Jewish context, okay? And the nation of Israel is his brethren. So I, that's my supposition. I think that's what that means. But, you know, I could be wrong. If you ask my wife, she'll probably tell you, yeah, you're wrong quite a few times, you know? <laughs> but the whole point here, guys, you know, we're going to close that down and do communion. The whole point 
is that we need to stay focused. He, he told Daniel twice, look, shut up the book, don't worry about it, go about your way, do what you're supposed to do. And I, and I think that we need to be encouraged to stay focused on Christ. Be in his word. I mean, once again, I'm going I'm to say this again, we are so thankful to be living right where we are right now to be here. If we were in California right now as a body, and we went to one of the churches that have been kind of earmarked by the government, and we showed up, you and I would get a citation that is a $1,000 fine. Every person that goes to one of those churches that they've put the target on, a $1,000 fine per person that shows up. So folks, stay focused on Christ. We know that we're in the end times. We know just by seeing, and I've said it before, we have gone in four short months from a nation that has prided itself on freedom and religious freedoms, right? To worship however we want, right? To a nation now where, you know, shame on you for not wearing a mask. Or if you go to church, we're going to arrest your pastor and give you a fine. See, we are so thankful to be where we are today. So stay focused on the important things. Yeah, you may have some issues. I mean, I've got plenty of them, right? But the issue should be focus on Jesus. Because all these things are going to burn up, right? Your issues, your problems, uh, the, money, the money issues that we don't have, right? Okay, They're, it's all going to burn up. The only thing that matters is staying focused on Christ. Because he could show up at any time, right? And we don't have a guarantee of another day. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get this just, you know, when I was 25, right? Um, and I don't have a guarantee that I'll live another day. I mean, I could get sick. I could get in a car accident. And I know that's kind of morbid. Oh, don't be talking like that. But folks, we have to remember that. Every day is a gift from God. When you wake up in the morning, you should say, thank you, Jesus, for giving me another day, another opportunity to glorify you and to tell somebody about your mercies and your grace. That's what we should be doing because you are the ambassadors of Christ. And this world is perishing and we're getting so close. I mean, just some of the things that I showed you, just two little things that I showed you that lets us know that the pieces are all there and we're just waiting. You know, we heard, you know, Jesus is at the door. Well, I think he's not only at the door, he's got the doorknob turned like five-eighths of the way, and he's getting ready to open it. And we need to be ready. Amen? So as the worship team comes up, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to take communion, okay? Now, we have what's called open communion here. And what does that mean? Well, open communion means, look, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the body of Christ. You don't have to sign an agreement or, you know, pledge to be a member of this church because if you are in Christ, you are the body no matter where you go. So that's the only thing that we need to make sure about. Are you in Christ? I mean, the scripture says that we shouldn't take communion in an unworthy manner. Well, what does that mean? Well, look, I've made a lot of mistakes. I still make mistakes. And the, the wonderful thing about Jesus is all we have to do is confess our sins to him and, and he, he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us of all of our sins, right? So if, you, if you're watching online or you're here today and, and maybe you went to church your whole life but you never really felt that there was a relationship with Jesus, maybe you had religion but no relationship, 
you can fix that right now and you can partake of communion for the first time as a believer in the body of Christ and all it takes is a simple prayer and I'll go over that with you in just a moment and for those of you that are in Christ right and you go well you know I maybe I shouldn't take it because you know I I said some, something stupid to my wife last night or or I, I was watching a movie that I really feel guilty about again those things are under the blood of Jesus all you have to do is in your seat say Lord I'm sorry for how I failed you, but thank you for what you did for me. The, the communion is not about what you have done. It's not about how you've kept yourself clean. It's a remembrance of what he did for you. So we're going to, and it's, it's an open communion, so as the music's playing, you're going to come up and you're going to take the, the cup and the, and the, and the, and the almost said wine, but we're not that liberal yet. Uh, the cup and the juice, and you can be down here at the altar, you can take it with your family, go back to your seat, whatever, right? But before you take it, seek the Lord and ask Him, search my heart, Lord, and find any wicked thing that's in me. And He is faithful to bring it to you. And if again, if you're not a believer in Christ, take that opportunity. It's so simple. Lord, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner, and I need you. I believe that you paid for my sins completely on the cross and I want to right now confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And that's it. And from that point on, it's just walking with the Lord and growing day by day, right? It's not hard, folks. We make it hard. We make it full of rules and regulations. But remember, he said that his yoke is light and easy, right? So I just want to read real quickly the communion message here it says and as they were eating Jesus took the bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to them to eat and he said take this is my body and then he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank it and he said this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many remember without the shedding of blood there is no remissions of sins and he did it for you already. So, Father, we come before you right now, and we thank you, Lord, that the work that you completed on the cross, you said that it was finished, completely paid for. My debts and my sins were completely paid for by the shedding of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And, Lord, we thank you that, just like Daniel, you remind us, don't be so focused on things that don't matter, but focus on you. And you'll work it out. And you'll give us understanding about the things that we need to know. And if we don't understand something, that's okay, because you do. So, Father, I pray for those that are online right now that maybe have never made that profession of faith. I pray that your spirit would just touch their hearts right now. And those that are here also, Lord, if, if they've never come to Christ, I pray that as we, as we enter communion that they would seek you and that they would say that prayer, Lord. And for the brothers and sisters that are here, that are in Christ, Lord, forgive us of the things that we have failed at and make us that new creation that serves you each and every day, looking forward to the coming of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.